Welcome to Illicit Liaisons, where each week we talk about the good, the bad, and the naughty of romance fiction. I'm Jenna Hart. I'm a romance author and avid romance reader. I'm also the owner of SwoonworthyHEA.com, an online community where people who love to read or write romance can come and hang out together to talk about all their favorite books. We have monthly giveaways and a whole lot more. So please stop by SwoonworthyHEA.com and check out all the Swoonworthy fun over there. As a quick update to SwoonworthyHEA.com, I talked about book blogging about two weeks ago on the podcast and mentioned that the website SwoonworthyHEA.com would have some new blogging features. Now, all those have been added and installed and set up, but of course, not without any glitches. So I've had tech people in there trying to figure out what was going wonky and getting it all fixed up. I have received notice that everything should be working, but I haven't been able to test it yet. So I'm going to go ahead and do some testing to make sure that everything is working properly. And if it is, that means you'll be able to start a WordPress style blog through swoonworthyhea.com. You'll be able to choose from many different types of themes. There will be plugins that you can use. You can monetize the site if you are looking to make some money through it. So if you are interested in book blogging and that includes romance, maybe you want to start a fan blog, whatever you want to do, if it's a fit with the Swoonworthy HEA community, then you can start it there and you can start it for free. I will have more updates on that coming very soon, I hope hopefully before the next uh, podcast. So if you visit swoonworthyhea.com over the next few days, hopefully you will see some updates on that. This week, I thought I would talk about my favorite books of 2020. It has definitely been a crazy year. My reading has been equally as crazy. I have had some months where I've just read nonstop, and I've had other months where I haven't read at all. And in fact, I don't think I was really doing any reading until maybe May. So for the first five months of this pandemic, mostly I was just binge watching TV and and eating, which is probably why I've packed on this extra weight. But with 2021 right around the corner And I have new projects. I've got swoonworthyhea.com started and it's beginning to grow. I've got this podcast that has started and beginning to grow. And I'm also looking at starting a new kind of video podcast called Write With Heart, which is all about writing romance. So I've got big plans for 2021. And I'm not going to let the pandemic slow me down like it did for the first half of 2020. So hopefully I'll be reading more. I'll be pursuing these projects. Maybe I'll even start running again and get rid of some of this weight. So let's go ahead and get started with some of my favorite books. These are not necessarily in any particular order. 
except for maybe this one. This one might be my favorite of the year, and that is The Hating Game by Sally Thorne. Now, I know those of you that have read it are probably saying that's so two years ago or whenever it came out. I know it's been out for a while, but I didn't get a chance to read it until this year. It's actually my daughter's book, and she had read it recommended it. I didn't read it soon enough. She took it back, read it again, and then brought it back. And finally, I got a chance to read it. And I I very much did enjoy this book. And it could be, you know, sometimes when we enjoy something, it can be linked to some time in our life. And there's a part of me that thinks this book is, has helped me kind of overcome that five month slump I was in for the first part of the pandemic that I read this book and I just really very much enjoyed it. It was light. It was fun. It was hard not to want to be like Lucy, who just is an effervescent personality. So it could be linked to that. Basically, this book is about Lucy and Joshua, whose companies, publishing companies, ended up merging together and she's the executive assistant to one of the merged companies and he is the executive assistant to the other and so they have to work together they share an office space which is right outside their prospective bosses offices and when the book starts we're learning that Lucy has basically turned her interactions with Joshua into a sort of a game. And what we ultimately learn is that Lucy is just a bright, shiny, happy object. She sees the world as the glass is half full and people just like her because she's likable and she's helpful the only person that doesn't seem to is Joshua, her her office mate. And she just doesn't really get it. And he, on the other hand, is kind of the opposite of her. And so their interactions really kind of reflect that. They have a sort of snarky banter that goes back and forth. And she, in some ways, sometimes he brings out the worst in her. What ends up happening is their bosses come up with a new position and they both are vying to get it. And that now puts them in a competition. They're having to spend more time together working on different things. And in that, they end up spending more time together. One of the things I really enjoyed about this book is, although it's really Lucy's point of view, that there are parts in there where... Uh, Joshua says something or she's describing maybe a look on his face and we the reader get the sense that Joshua feels more for her than he's letting on yet she's sort of clueless but she's not clueless like in a ditzy way it's done very well that we the reader can sort of start to see wait a minute I I think He likes her, but it would make sense for her to kind of miss the cues. So I thought that was really fun. There was a great scene at the end when he's revealing just all the things that she thought he was doing to annoy her 
which were actually little things he was doing because he liked her. So it was a very enjoyable read. I do believe a movie is being made about it. And, you know, I love when a movie's done well of a book that I really enjoy. I don't know how this one will be. I'm aware that the actress that is playing Lucy sort of has her look, how she's described in the book. But the only thing I've ever seen her in, her personality is nothing like Lucy. So I'm hoping that she is able to pull that off. And of course, the actor, I can't remember who the actor is. But anyways, I'm hopeful that the the movie is well done because it would be fun to see it in a movie. All right, let's go on to the next book on my list, which is Beach Read by Emily Henry. I do believe this one did come out this year, so I'm not so far behind in my reading. Obviously, I picked this book because it's about a romance author as well as a doom and gloom author. And basically, the premises of the book is that they're both have writer's block and they've both ended up neighbors at this lake in Michigan. And they strike this deal where since they're having so much trouble getting their writing done anyway, why don't they switch and he'll write the romance and she'll write the doom and gloom. There's a lot more to it. They each have their own sort of baggage that they're having to work with. And I will say that while most romances, particularly rom-coms, there is something that a character is having to overcome within themselves, but Beach Read actually has some heavier, deep, and real types of issues going on for these characters than you might typically see in other rom-coms. Gus, in particular, has some pretty challenging childhood experiences that he's having to deal with. And for January, that's her name, January, she has built her whole career writing rom-com based on this idyllic marriage she saw between her parents. But when she comes to this house, which she has inherited from her recently deceased father, she's also learned that there were secrets in the family that are really making her question love. And Gus, of course, makes fun of romance because that's what a lot of people do. And so she ends up feeling a little bit extra foolish that she believed that these types of happy, happily ever afters could happen. So it was very much enjoyable read. I did mention this book last week when I was talking about the grand gestures because Gus, for all his talk against romance, he does try to pull off a pretty great grand gesture. It doesn't go as well as he would have liked, but it serves its purpose and they end up uh, getting together as happens in romances. I do have one little issue with this book, and that is, unless I misread or was reading too fast or something, the black moment, uh, I felt just, it it didn't really work for me. And this is probably going to be a spoiler alert, so if you haven't read it and you plan to read it, you might want to go ahead and stop listening or cover your ears. But... Gus is divorced, and and we all know that, and she knows that, and uh, his ex-wife leaves him on his birthday, so his birthday every year is pretty much not fun, and he was pretty hurt by it, and while he, there's a part of him that 
is still sort of attached to her and and loves his ex-wife, he would never, never go back to her. And that seems pretty clear to me through the book, too. So when our two characters, January and Gus, are in this little town and they are doing an author event, all of a sudden in walks his ex-wife and he goes to talk to her and January just decides, I guess it's over. She she leaves, and then when he tries to see her, she won't see him. And it just felt like a very over-the-top reaction for him talking to his ex-wife. Because, again, there's no indication that he would go back to her, even when he's going to talk to her. It's not like he seems happy to see her or he's in any hurry to see her. So it, it just felt like a big leap to assume just because he's acknowledging that his ex-wife is there and is going to talk to her that all of a sudden they need to be over and he's somehow out of her life or I don't know I just maybe I need to go back and read it because it just didn't make any sense to me especially when he does his grand gesture because in my mind I'm like she's the one that kind of stormed off for no good reason but other than that I really did enjoy this book, maybe partly because it's about two writers, but I know a lot of other people have really enjoyed this book. My daughter did enjoy this book. So it's a fun read. I I did uh, get a kick out of it. All right, the next book on my list is Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. This is another one that was showing up on a lot of booktubers' uh, shows, and, and for good reason. It's really good. When I first started reading it, I I wasn't sure what I felt about one of the characters, but one of the great things about this book is that character's arc and how much he grows and learns and gains insight into himself made that whole beginning part where I'm wondering, you know, the sky seems kind of shallow. It, it made it worth it. This book is basically about the first son, Alex. His mom is the president of the United States and a prince of England. He's not heir to the throne. He has an older brother who's heir to the throne. And basically, they don't get along. There is a wedding, a royal wedding, and they go. There's an altercation. A cake gets ruined. And both the families decide that these two need to have like a fake friendship to overcome all the bad press and international relations and all that kind of stuff. So reluctantly, they start to do that. But as they do that, they grow closer. In some ways, they bond over the fact that they're in these positions where they're always under scrutiny and they can't really be themselves. Through this, Alex discovers that he's bi or gay and because he'd had a girlfriend uh, before that who's actually still really a good friend of his. He is smart. He's in college, but he's a little bit living in a bubble. He doesn't really live in the real world. In a lot of ways, he seems kind of shallow, even though he is bright. But through the book and through this relationship with the prince, he's beginning to recognize the real world. It's not just political theory. It's not just blowing people off because, you know, they're jerks or whatever, but there's real life consequences to, you know, what he does and what the rest of them do and how the two of them navigate this relationship. Some of the emails they have are just really poignant in terms of their exploring 
you know, whether or not they can be themselves, whether they can openly love each other because one's a royal and one is the son of the President of the United States. So it was really an interesting read. And like I said, one of the most enjoyable parts was to see the big arc of Alex really kind of growing up and to see Henry, who is the love interest, who's the prince, finally come out of his shell because his whole life he hasn't really been able to be himself. So anyways, very enjoyable book. The next one on my list is Spoiler Alert by Olivia Dade. Now I picked this book because it is about a woman who writes fan fiction and I got my start writing fan fiction. It has uh, cons like in comic cons, although I've never been to one of those. Sometimes I watch them on YouTube when they have like Outlander and stuff like that. It has a big, beautiful redheaded woman and I can totally identify with that. And he is basically an actor, Marcus. His name is Marcus Castor Rupp and he is in one of the biggest shows on television They're in their seventh season. He's just filming, and it's their series finale. The show's going to be over. And I couldn't help because he had three names in his name on the cover. He's blonde, and it was this show that made me think of Game of Thrones, even though it's set around the gods, like Greek gods. It did make me think of Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones. So I kept thinking of him. But the actor, the character in this book, that's that's about as far as the resemblance goes in terms of being blonde hair and being in this TV show. Marcus, in fact, suffered from dyslexia uh, growing up and ultimately uh, learned to just kind of play the guy with the brawn but no brains. When he's acting, he's very good. But when he's out in the real world, he's just sort of this affable guy who doesn't seem very smart. Our female protagonist, April, is actually very smart. She is a, um, I want to say geologist. She knows a lot about rocks and she's just moved from Sacramento in California to Berkeley in California and decides to share with the world her fandom of the show that he is in. She's a real fan of one of the characters and her, her real affinities for the character as it showed up in a book, cause it was sort of a plain woman that the handsome guy ended up loving anyway. Although the actress that plays her on TV doesn't really represent that aspect, but she really likes her and she writes a lot of fan fiction about this. She does go to the cons and she shares a picture of her being dressed up as this character at one of the cons. She shares it on her Twitter feed. And of course, there are Twitter trolls out there that start attacking her because she is a big, beautiful woman. And it comes to the attention of this actor who plays the spouse or the love interest of the character she's dressed up as. And he responds that she looks lovely and the Twitter trolls just don't buy it. So he ends up asking her for a date. So they go on this date and he's trying to be his kind of affable doofus self and not show who he really is. But pretty quickly in during the dinner, he begins to realize that he knows her because he also is writing fan fiction for the show. And he is good friends with her over the internet. But of course, he doesn't use his real name. 
So in some ways, it's like you got mail. These two know each other very well, intimately, deeply. They have an emotional bond through the the fan fiction group where they write fan fiction and they talk about the show and, and all those t- types of things. And when he realizes that, he knows he can't continue to do both. So his online persona kind of goes offline for a while, which bugs her a little bit. But then, you know, the two of them start dating. And it, it just proceeds from there. It's, it has a lot to do with dealing with fat shaming and fans' feelings like they should have a say in the personal lives of actors or that it's okay for them to have opinions just based on looks or things like that. But he also has some of his own issues because his dyslexia made it very difficult for him growing up. His parents didn't deal with it very well. They kind of look at him as damaged. They don't understand why he's an actor because they're, they're intellectuals and, you know, that's what he should be doing. And so he has his own baggage too. And it's basically kind of the both of them learning to not hide themselves anymore and be who they really are. Marcus is really great in here. He's exactly the beautiful, strong, handsome man you would want in your Prince Charming. I mean, he's very sweet to her. He does make a couple mistakes. He does wait too long to tell her, you know, who he is and all that. But the book uh, is well written. I like the voice that the author writes in. The characters are really interesting. It was funny. They have excerpts from some of the fan fiction in here. So you can sort of see how their real lives get infused on top of what they're writing. It, it was really an enjoyable read. I liked that one very much. All right. My next book is Shadows and Death by J.D. Robb. I love J.D. Robb and I have read all of them. The first books came out, I guess, in the mid 1990s. There's now 50 or over 50 books. I can't remember if this was 50 or the last one was 50. Maybe the last one was 50. So there's a ton of books in the series. If you're looking for a series <laughs> to read for a long time, this is it. And even though there's 50 books and there's been 20 years that she's been writing this series, it's only been a couple of years that have passed actually in the books. So the in-depth books are really about Eve Dallas, Lieutenant Eve Dallas of the New York police. She is basically a kick-ass cop. She's had a very heinous, heinous childhood. Through that, she has embraced order and rules and laws, and things are pretty much black and white in her world, which is partly what makes her a good cop. But because she had a heinous childhood and never really connected with people, she's very closed off particularly at the beginnings of the books. Matter of fact, her best friend in book one is a woman that she arrested as a, as a grifter, um, Mavis. And she also has an attachment to her former lieutenant, who is in many ways like a, her father figure. And so then the books start, the first book is Naked and Death. We learn about Eve. She's solving this crime. And one of her suspects is this billionaire named Rourke. He only has one name. He's Irish and he's 
gorgeous and all that kind of stuff. And of course, filthy rich. And eventually they fall in love and through the books they get married. And it's just really fun to read the two of them because in some ways he's like her. He had a very difficult childhood, but he was very open to falling in love with her. He does have some attachments to other people. So even though they had similar childhoods, the way they adapted in the world is a little bit different. But the other way he survived in the world starting out was through crime. That He started as a pickpocket, uh, mostly because his dad told him to. And then he grew into a thief, which I imagine kind of like uh, Danny Ocean in the Ocean's movies. And then slowly he went legitimate and when he first meets eve he's pretty much all legitimate he has his fingers in a couple not legitimate things mostly for fun Uh, but he gets out of this when he realizes that he loves eve and she's a cop and that wouldn't go very well work is willing to look in the gray areas he's willing to break the rules a little bit to get what he needs or wants and so over the course of the books we see him coming more towards the middle on that and the, but eve too recognizing that sometimes uh, you may need to bend the rules a little bit if you're going to particularly catch a killer My favorite books are the ones in which work is more closely connected. He's in every book. He does assist her a lot of times. He's a computer nerd and, you know, he's got a lot of skills that he can help with her. He's often a consultant for her. But when it directly impacts him because it's someone he knows, uh, I love those. And in Shadows and Death, that is the case. There is a murder and Rourke happens to be... Uh, this is in a public place in New York, and he is there with Eve, and he sees in the crowd someone that he knows from his past, and he's pretty sure that that guy's the hitman, and if that's the case, they're in for a run for their money. We learn a lot more about Rourke and his childhood. Rourke, since the beginning of the books, has discovered the woman he thought was his mother was not his mother, and that the woman who was his mother had you know, family still in Ireland. So he's connected with them. So he has aunts and cousins and stuff. And we end up having to go to Ireland again to see them. And those are always my favorite ones, especially when Eve has to go somewhere that is out of the city because she has a really odd fear of the country and in particular cows, which is always humorous to read in the books. She's also not a huge fan of flying. And of course, the in-death books take place in the future Um, I think we're at like 2062 or something like that. So it's really not that far in the future at this point. But in their future, it's just enough in the future to look a little bit different, but not so much so it looks sci-fi or anything like that. But uh, anyways, I love the J.D. Robb books. If you've never read one, I would start at the beginning with Naked in Death and read the first three at least That's up to the point where they get married. As you get into later books, you can kind of skip around a little bit. Some in the middle aren't as good as others, but the ones where Rourke is involved, I I love those. So that's it. Those are the five books I read this year that I enjoyed the most. I read probably 15 books in total, so that's a third of them uh, that I really enjoyed. Of all the books I read this year, there's only one that I read only one chapter and put it down because I just wasn't feeling it. I may still go back to that one 
it may have just been a bad time for me to be reading, and so I might go back to it because the premise sounds kind of interesting. Uh, there is one other book that I read that I just thought was terrible, which doesn't happen very often. There's books where they're just sort of, eh, to me, you know, not great, but, you know, it was all right. But this book was, was really bad because the whole premise that was set up for it is not what the book turned out to be. And the premise was actually pretty interesting, but most of the book was just conversations at a kitchen table. And this is supposed to be a, like a romance with suspense and paranormal. So I was really kind of disappointed in that one. There were many books I read that I, I enjoyed, but there was something significant about them. And I meant on the um, last week's episode of The Grand Gesture, I mentioned both Intercepted and the Bromance Book Club, which overall I really did enjoy. But they both had, for me, really po problematic Grand Gestures. And the Grand Gesture is like one of my favorite parts of the book. So I was a little disappointed in that bit. But the rest of it, I really enjoyed. So that's it for my favorite books of 2020. I'm curious if any of these books were on your favorite list of 2020, or some of them are old enough, maybe they were on your favorite list a year or two ago. I'd love to hear about it. If you want to go ahead and uh, visit swoonworthyhea.com and click on the illicit liaison tab at the top, you can find this show and share in the comments if any of these are your favorite for 2020 as well. If they're not, and you have others that were your favorites, I would love to hear about those as well. I keep a running list of books that are recommended to me. I'm not sure there's enough years in me left to read them all, but I do keep a list and try to work through some of them because I rely a lot on recommendations from other people. I want to thank you so much for listening in. I think this is our 10th podcast, so I'm really excited to have gotten this started, and I'm looking for exciting things in 2021, and I hope that you will be back. My goal is to have more interviews. I plan to have my friend Ellen back, if you've ever heard any of the shows that we do together, more talk about romance and what makes great romance books. And in the meantime, if you visit swoonworthyhea.com, you can join the community there. You can join a group, you can start a group. And again, shortly, you'll be able to start a blog. We've got giveaways. So please come by and say hello. Until next time, this is Jenna Hart wishing you peace, love, and happily ever after.